Good morning. My name is Jake, and I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration Church. To all of the guests who are joining us on our stream this morning, thank you for watching us. Thank you for joining us today. We are so glad that you are here. I want to share something with you real quick. Uh, this season has been very difficult for me. It's been a season that has been unlike any other for me. I've been tired. I've been worn out. I've been fatigued. I find that it's hard to worship. I find that it's hard to engage with people. I find that it's really shook what I have defined church, how I look at church. And so it has been, uh, uh, for me, it has been l determining that location isn't really what determines worship. Location doesn't define what worship is. It's the state of our hearts. And as St. Augustine said in the fourth century, he said that love is the basis of worship. We worship what we love. And I find it interesting that everybody, everywhere, worships something. You may love money, and so if you love money, you end up worshiping money. You may love being in a relationship with someone, and you find that you may end up worshiping that relationship. You may love a political party or a political ideology or even a political leader, and there are people who end up worshiping those things. We can look at anything in creation and we can find someone worshiping and loving something. I think it goes to show that we've been created for worship. We've been created for more. Isn't it fitting where we are today? We're in the middle of the seasons in an empty room. And I think it's weird that many people in Yakima associate this place as a concert venue, as a musical hall. People associate the seasons as music. But for many of us at Restoration, we associate this place as a place to worship. We have memories associated with this room. We come to the seasons prepared to worship. We have tears of, of joy. We've had tears of laughter. We've had tears of sadness in this room. We've sat through good teaching, some of which has impacted us for weeks and months and even years after We've heard that initial message. And for many of us, we have relationships that have come from this room. <clears throat> so as we think about what worship is, we have to see that worship is more than what we do on Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle. Worship is the continuous outpouring to God for all that he is, for all that he does. Worship is a way for us to show that we love God. The Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. In other words, we are to be so devoted to God that we love Him with everything that we are, everything that we do, and everything that we become. We have to come back to this idea that worship is praising Jesus 
He is the center of our affection and our praise. Today we are looking at how worship is a lifestyle and how it is fundamental for our faith. If you have a Bible handy, you can follow along in Acts 2.42 and 2.47 and Romans 12.1 and 2. We've been in a series the last few weeks called Essential, basically where because we are not able to meet on Sunday mornings, we are asking the question, what is Essential Church? We've been looking at how the early church in Acts, and we've been seeing how we've been seeing what the foundations for the early church were and to help us understand what is essential and what to prioritize and what to hold on to. And I want to say that worship is something that is essential for our faith, and we need to hold on to worship. Acts 2 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And this passage is the basis for why we have church 2,000 years later. The early church was devoted to the Word of God, they were devoted to prayer, and they were devoted to community. Because of their devotion, look what happens next. Verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And day by day they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. See, the early church was devoted because something profound happened in their hearts. They were devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to something greater than themselves. And this devotion ultimately led them to worship. You see, we worship Christ because he is worthy of all glory and praise. Do you see that? Worship isn't just something that we do on Sunday mornings, but it's an overflow of our hearts on a daily basis. We worship Christ because we've been created to worship him, but we also worship Christ as a lifestyle. Look at what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, these two verses perfectly summarize what it is to be Christian, what it is to live the Christian life. We are to live completely surrendered to Jesus. And surrender is at the heart of worship. Surrendering our lives to Christ is a willful decision that we have to make daily. It's through this willful decision that we can come and we can worship Jesus and we can enjoy our relationship with him. The whole book of Romans, Paul is showing how God is working the gospel in our lives. The entire work of salvation is God demonstrating his infinite love, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness, all to save us from condemnation of sin and death. Romans 12:1 then is our response to that salvation work. For us to be worshipers of Christ, we only have one response. We are to be a living sacrifice for Jesus. Just as Jesus gave his life for us, we are to be a living sacrifice for him. We are to surrender all that we are to him. It means that we're not influenced by the world around us. It means that we are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. 
means that we worship Jesus above all. See, worship is the outpouring of our hearts towards God in all circumstances in total surrender to Him. But what does that actually look like? You find three examples of what that looks like by uh, to, to be a living sacrifice, to be a worshiper of God in Acts 16. And this is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. You see, he's bringing the whole gospel to the world. Through God's guidance, Paul and his team are able to see people come to faith. They are able to plant churches all over the Middle East, all over Europe. And the, some of those churches have lasted today. We're told in verses 6 and 7 that Paul and his team were eager to spread the gospel in Asia, but also told that the Holy Spirit prohibited them from going not once, but twice. You see, the first mark of a worshiper is obedience to God and his commands. Paul willingly sacrificed his desires and his wants to obey the Lord. Verse 9 then tells us that Paul received a vision to go into Macedonia, and he believed that the Holy Spirit was calling his team to preach the gospel there. And the text tells us that the team set sail immediately with no hesitation. You see, Paul quickly obeyed God's commands, leaving no room for his wants and his desires, even if it didn't make sense to him. Obedience to God's word, to God's voice, is a key mark of being a worshiper of God. We're then told twice in this chapter that Paul was going to a place to prayer, that Paul was a man of prayer. And I want to say that the second mark of a worshiper is a devotion to prayer and communion with God. Verse 13 tells us that Paul was going to a place of prayer. Paul is intentionally seeking that seeking out prayer. And he finds Lydia, a successful businesswoman, who comes to have a relationship with Jesus. She's saved. She's baptized. All in Acts 16. And then verse 16 tells us that Paul's going back to that same place, and he meets a demon-possessed slave girl. He exercises the demon, and then he ends up getting arrested. So you see, the location is important to see that Paul was devoted to prayer and communion with God. He wrote a majority of the New Testament, and almost all of his books contained certain prayers for churches. Paul understood that to pray is to worship, and devotion to prayer and communion with God is an important mark in worshiping God. Acts 16 is just a fascinating story and a great read for us in the 21st century. So much to learn. But as Paul and his team were preaching the gospel, they encountered a demon-possessed slave girl. As I already told you, Paul exercised this demon. As a result, her owners are upset with Paul because they lost their ability to make money off of her. And so they bring Paul and Silas before the, the courts. They have them arrested. They have them beaten. <clears throat> and Paul's rights are stripped. He's mocked. And then eventually he gets dumped in the worst part of prison. And so the third mark of a worshiper is trust in the sovereignty of God. 
Verse 25 tells us that at midnight, in the middle of prison, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. This scene is profound. Paul had no idea what was going to happen in the morning. In the middle of prison, in the middle of the night, through an unjust system, he's in pain from his beating. He's still probably bleeding. Rather than sit in misery, he sings to God right in the middle of prison. Right when the story is the absolute worst for Paul, he is worshiping God. He sang hymns to God and gave God glory in the midst of uncertainty because he knew that God is in control. As he was singing, the text tells us that the other prisoners were listening. What a glimpse of hope for those prisoners. What a glimpse of hope for us. But to trust in the sovereignty of God allows us to rejoice in the character of God when it's not easy, when it's not comfortable. You see, the world and our circumstances may never make sense to us, but God does. And so worship is the outpouring of our hearts towards God in all circumstances in complete surrender to him. A good friend of mine followed the Lord's calling on his life to a difficult ministry. He knew it was a difficult ministry. And after dedicating years of his life following the Lord's calling through training, through networking, through just building a ministry, in an unexpected moment, everything he worked for was gone. He went in for a routine doctor visit, and he passed out in the lobby. He was unconscious for 10 minutes, and tests later found that he had seizures. Given the nature of his ministry, he couldn't continue ministry at such a high level anymore because of his health concern. Over the course of the next two years, he found that the Lord revealed that he had worshipped his ministry more than he worshipped God. He found that he enjoyed his ministry more than he enjoyed God. You see, while sacrificing his life for his ministry, he wasn't sacrificing his life for God. And so the Lord stripped back his ministry. The Lord stripped out what he had been worshiping. And he showed my friend that his heart had wandered from worshiping him. And so through this experience, my friend found fulfillment in his relationship with God. He's able to praise God for this hardship, even though it makes no sense to him. He's able to be more devoted to, to God through obedience and prayer, and he's able to trust in God's sovereignty as a result. You see, we're in this season. The past two months has been difficult for everyone. Someone from our church coined this phrase. They said that we are quarantined tired. We're all tired. We're all exhausted. We're all fatigued. We're all bored. A lot of us are done meeting online. A lot of us are done socially distancing. We can't recharge like we used to. All of that is gone. 
And quite frankly, we just don't feel like worshiping in this season. Nothing quite feels like worship. And I want to say this. Now, more than ever, it's vital for us to intentionally worship. Now, we need to work at worshiping God. We need to invest in that. But how do we actually worship in this season? You see, just like Paul, just like his team, it starts with awe of God. We have to look beyond our circumstances. We have to force ourselves to find God's power around us. We have to be still. We have to be in silence. I love what the psalmist says on behalf of God. He says, be still and know that I am the Lord. For the past six months, I've started this discipline of just sitting in silence. I put away all distractions. I cleared my mind. I cleared my heart for five minutes. And I found a way to focus. I found that it alleviates worry and anxiety in my heart and my mind. And honestly, I found that I've been doing it more in this season. Just setting aside five minutes a day in silence. Most importantly, though, I found that has drawn me into awe of God. And I want to encourage you to do the same. To sit in God's presence. To find the things that you adore or that you are thankful of God. And give thanks to those things to God. It might be in awe of what you read in the Word of God, or music that you heard, or even journaling. But I want to encourage you to worship in awe, in silence. I think a second way that we can be worshiping in the season is to be a living sacrifice. Like Paul, when God speaks, we must obey his commands immediately. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. And we need to obey his commands, the word of God. I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Do you read the word, to God, the word of God enough to obey it? Do you read it and do you confess sins where you know that you aren't obeying? We worship with what God says. And the Holy Spirit affirms the truths of scripture to us. And a third way that we can worship in this season is just simply to sing worship to God. We can worship in spirit and truth. And I love that God has created music for us to relate to him emotionally. And music is also an outlet for many of us to sing or to create music. One way we want to help you in worship in spirit and truth in this season is through a Spotify playlist of songs that we've sung at Restoration Church. We will be publishing that today in the Restoration Family Facebook group. And it's an opportunity for us as a body to worship together when we're not together. If you haven't joined the Restoration Family Facebook group, you can just type connect in the comments below and someone either Pastor Kevin or myself, we will reach out to you shortly. So is it possible to grow as a worshiper? Yes, it is. But it requires intentionality on our part. 
It requires a devotion to God. It requires a devotion to his word, to his people, and to prayer. You see, worship was just as essential to the early church as it is for us today. Worshiping God is a way that we grow in loving God, enjoying God, trusting God. Ultimately, worship is a way for us to grow in our faith. Are you willing to grow as worshipers in this season? Restoration Church, I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Will you join me in prayer? God, you are a good God. You are a God who loves us. You are a God who shows us mercy. You are a God who delights in us, Lord. I think of, a, of the picture of just the psalmist and how we can run to you as our Father, how you are attentive to us, how you look at us, how you hear us, God. God, I thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control. I pray, Lord, that you would be teaching us to trust you, teaching us to sing to you when life is hard. May we be obedient to your word. May we be obedient to your commands, God. God, we love you and we praise you and may our lips praise you every minute of every day. God, you are gracious to us. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.